is Stevie Rochelle from Top End Metal Sludge. Hey everybody, this is Pat Torpy from Mr. Big. This is Glenn Hughes, the voice of rock. What's up? This is Dave Rude from Tesla. And you're listening to Music Mania. Music Mania. You are locked and loaded on the Music Mania podcast. Thank you so much, man. I, I love talking about the things that I love, Clint. And for you to allow me to do it with you, uh, I am the Music Mania podcaster. We roll tonight to the guitar fight. And for those about to rock, I salute you. You ready for some screaming heavy metal? Scream for me, Brazil! Scream for me, Brazil! We rock! You are now listening to the Music Mania Podcast. Brought to you by CD Warehouse in Gladstone, the number one hard rock podcast in the Midwest, featuring hard-hitting interviews with rock's living legends. And now, here's your host, Clint Schweitzer. I know most people are spending most of the quarantine in the Quarantine Beer Chugs Facebook group, but if we may provide just a little bit of a welcome distraction for that here on the Music Mania Podcast, it would sure make our day. We hope everybody is uh, staying safe and healthy out there. It is our pleasure to continue bringing you um, top-notch interviews here on the Music Mania Podcast. Um, it's our pleasure this week to bring to you an interview with Stuart Copeland from The Police. We're going to be talking about the band's 0708 uh, reunion tour, one of the top-grossing tours of all time. It averaged 23,000 fans per night. Um over $2.5 million in revenue that brought in. So there's so much to talk about with Stuart. Of course, if you know anything about Stuart Copeland, you know that he is not only uh, one of the great drummers in rock history, in fact, voted uh, the 10th greatest of all time by Rolling Stone magazine. They say about Stuart, it may be Sting's melodies that have become ubiquitous, but the police sounds the way they do because of Stuart Copeland's use of space, subtlety, and aggression. And that is uh, absolutely the case. We're going to get into that reunion tour uh, with Stuart. He's someone that, um, if you don't know, kind of tells it like it is when it comes to his bandmates, uh, Andy Summers and Sting and the police. He often refers uh, to Sting as uh, the effing bass player. And so... Stuart, you know, he's a guy that is still working so hard. He's working on, um, you know, he does um, work with orchestras. He does work with uh, video games, uh, the music arrangements uh, for symphonies and, and such. He has a band called Oysterhead with Les Claypool. They just actually postponed um, their uh, date, which was supposed to be at the Greek Theater, and it's uh, been postponed. So uh, obviously, uh, so much uncertainty going on right now. Stuart Copeland definitely remaining busy in his uh, home studio. Uh, gosh, the guy does so much, um, composing music for video games such as Spyro the Dragon, uh, many movies over the years, including Rumblefish. But uh, he also has a new project, uh, Stuart Copeland Police Deranged for Orchestra, and... Um, it is a higher energy orchestral evening celebrating the work of uh, legendary police. And that's going to be uh, coming out this fall, hopefully, as uh, obviously so much uncertainty. As you look uh, at the dates, they've uh, got a date in Seattle, Vancouver, Nashville, and Atlanta starting on September 30th in Seattle. So definitely hoping that comes to fruition. You guys are going to enjoy this conversation. Um, I had a little bit of audio issues with Stuart. Um, we had him really good in our mix to start with, uh, but he couldn't hear us. So we kept having to call back and um, didn't want to waste a lot of his time. So uh, the interview, the audio is what it is, but um, it was just a pleasure and an honor to have Stuart on the show. I mean, he's 
absolutely one of the great drummers in rock history. I mean, the police just absolutely legendary and he's done so much since then. So we're going to get into all that with him and some, uh, Facebook fan questions. Uh, Stuart has a sense of humor, man. He tells it like it is. And, um, you're going to absolutely love it. So, so much more coming up on the music media podcast. I am backlogged with interviews. So I guess if there's anything positive to take from this is that musicians, or at home, they're still working on music, uh, not able to tour right now, but they do have more time for interviews and we're able to bring you a lot more interviews here on the podcast. So some great things coming up. Got uh, Gus G, formerly uh, of uh, Ozzy Osbourne's band and Firewind here coming up. Going to be doing um, an interview with guitarist Mitch Perry, a legendary guitarist who's played with so many acts from Aerosmith to Michael Shanker and uh, Eric Martin from Mr. Big. All that is going to be coming up and uh, much more. So a lot of excitement for us as we just, you know, really using this time to connect with as many musicians as we can and kind of find out what they're up to during this, how they're handling it and sort of the effect it has, you know, on these uh, particular musicians. So Stuart Copeland's a guy that um, I actually got this idea uh, from Chris Jericho's podcast. Chris Jericho talked about how sometimes it's so hard to get a guest uh, and, and sometimes it's so easy. He said with one email to a publicist. He got this uh, interview lined up with Stuart Copeland. Uh, this was back in 2015. So that gave me an idea. I was like, if it's just as easy as one publicist and Stuart Copeland so open to doing interviews, why not? And so I floated out an email the next morning. The publicist is getting it set up. We had a date. We had it happen. So big thanks to them. That was as easy as it gets. And Stuart, you know, one of the absolutely most, you know, respected drummers and, and rock history and the police, just a, a legendary band and iconic band in, in so many ways. So we're going to get into all that stuff with him coming up. Stuart, I tell you, it's, it's a pleasure to have you here. And like I, I was saying, you know, it's <laughs> during this crazy time with any other artist, I feel like, Hey, a lot of them are, are kind of home and they're, they're not, not a lot to do, but with you, I feel like you're probably as productive during times like this than, than anyone. How, how's everything been going for you? Well, I am sad by all of the, the you know, suffering out there in the world, but just selfishly, I am personally enjoying the Holocaust, the, the apocalypse, rather. Um, you know, uh, two of my girls are home, and there's four of us in the house. None of us have been out of our front door in two weeks. Uh, we watch the same television shows, we hang out and have dinner. Couple things that I think all the science fiction writers completely missed uh, when imagining what the apocalypse would be. Uh, one of them is how cozy it is, <laughs> and the other, of course, is the toilet paper thing. Nobody saw that coming. Yeah, that, um, that... <laughs> as far as I know, that is not a part of any vision of the apocalypse that has ever been filmed. I'll have to check L. Ron Hubbard's some of his work, but uh, yeah, that's it, uh, not not in my version of this, certainly. But uh, I mean, you, you've of course been affected. You had uh, you know an Oysterhead show postponed. There's a lot of uncertainty, so obviously some of your live appearances and stuff get kind of pushed to the back burner. But that goes for everyone. That goes for every artist right now. So it's all kind of a give and take. We just kind of have to wait and see, I guess. Here, yeah, we pushed some dates back. I, you know, it's a strange thing when you look at the. You know, I had, when I played those Oysterhead shows, I had a raging flu of some kind, and I've had all my flu jabs, and I'm, usually when you read symptoms of leprosy, you're thinking, oh my God, I've got leprosy, that's it, oh my God, and you're, oh no, oh no, every symptom that rings true is a, is a jolt of fear. And this time, reading about symptoms of the coronavirus, I'm thinking, I hope I had it. I hope that was it. Yeah. Um, because then 
But, uh, it, you know, we're making light of it here, as I guess we all have to do. But it is really, you know, a problem for humanity. And we have to just keep that in our minds as we enjoy the vast amount of humor that is being generated by this apocalypse. Well, you of all people, thank goodness for people like you. Uh, one of the best sense of humor is in the, in the game, for sure. And But, you know... It, it, there's some unfortunate aspects, obviously we know that, but like I've I was just been so excited to to see and kind of how you're going to unveil, and I know you've been working on this a long time. I want to talk about kind of the genesis of the Stuart Copeland Police Deranged for Orchestra. Obviously, you've worked with symphonies, you've been constructing music your whole life. Talk about kind of the genesis of this project. Obviously, you have dates still planned coming up in the future, but I mean a lot of people are so excited about this. Just talk about the kind of the genesis of this of this project and Hope we, hope we get to see more of it. Well, there are two uh, different strands that led to this place. Um, one is the derangement, which are a phase that I went through, I don't know, decades ago, where I discovered that A&M have the multi-tracks of all of our sessions, all of our records. You know, they've got the, the multi-track in Pro Tools, of Roxanne, Can't Stand Losing You, Messed in a Bottle. And I can't remember what the mission was, but for some reason I tried cutting them up and taking the verse of this song and putting it over the bass line of that song and that little bit of Andy guitar solo that never made it onto the record, but it was actually a really cool lick. We just didn't go down that road. But I found it, and I made these mashups of the police track, which I called Green. And I've made three of them. And I went over to Sting's place in Malibu, took him out of my car and played him. He said, oh, great, 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 great. You know, um, he's actually very broad-minded about exploitation of his songs. He loves it when people do his songs, whatever version it is they do. It makes him feel like, you know, Rodgers and Hammerstein or something, you know. He, he, he likes it when the song has a life of its own. Um, even if the version may be an abomination, never mind his song and lyrics. So he was very... Um, Supported. And then I brought Andy over for one afternoon, and he did some stuff, and it was all great. And then I got, then I blew it. I got selfish, creatively selfish. Um, <laughs> and I just, I just honed it, and I did like eight or nine tracks, just having a way, I forgot to call Andy, I forgot, and I just, by myself, had a hell of a time just carving up these tracks and finding cool things. You know, and a lot of live stuff as well. When we would jam on Roxanne, it was a sex tour. We used to just, like, take off. And Sting did some amazing vocalization and interesting new bass lines. So I, I got all that stuff and kind of used it all. And I made these cuts. And at that point, I sent them to my two colleagues, and they said, what are you smoking? Are you thinking it's okay for you to take the five tracks, fuck them up, and, <laughs> you know, are you kidding me? You know, it was like, oh, gosh. Uh, and then with blinding clarity, I could see their point of view. You know, one member of the band takes the, takes the stuff off in his, in his own laboratory, lobotomizes it all, you know, to his own liking. Yeah, I can understand the, um, the hesitation of my colleagues. Anyhow, went, on, went into the cookie jar, on the shelf, forgotten. Then I made my little Super 8 movie, which... Fortunately, stars Andy Summers, because back in the day when I had my Super 8 camera, Andy was always game for a laugh, and Andy performed for the camping, and we got, I got really great comedic material with him. Sting 
just smolders on the corner of the shot. All he has to do is just sit there, and he burns up the frame, you know. And so I made this little movie of all my super eight footage with played at Sundance and, you know, showed on Showtime and had a life of its own. And this time, since Andy was so handsome in the movie, he looked more kindly when I said, hey, remember those derangements? How about if I use them as the score for the movie? And so they all said yes. So that, those, those lobotomies that I did appear as the, the score for the police movie that I made called Everyone's Spares. That's one side. That's the derangement part. Yep. The other part, just 20 years before the mass of a film composer, which involves working with orchestras. And the orchestra is a really useful tool, very complicated tool in film composing. It just sounds like a movie when you've got a big, bad orchestra swaying and heaving and pumping and blasting. And I learned how to compose and orchestrate for orchestra, which took me into opera and concerts, and I've been playing drums with orcs uh, for quite some time now. And normally I play with the, you know, the Colorado Symphony or the Pittsburgh or whatever, and I play my concerto for Stu Daddy and Orcs, where actually it's got a fancy name, Tyrant's Crush. Um, and it's a fun thing that I do, and I play alongside Sibelius, Ravel, Stravinsky, whatever, and that makes me feel like an actual musician, very dignified. And I only play for, for 30 minutes, and the rest of the program is the great orchestral classical music classic, you know, pretty stiff competition on the bill, but never mind. Then I tried, then my manager said, hey, look, let's, let's, let's try something else. How about you go out and play music that people have actually heard of, like your film score, Equalizer, Rumblefish, Wall Street, whatever. Okay, okay, so I orchestrated those, and I did a tour of those in uh, Germany and England, which was really a lot of fun. Then my manager, Flinty, I managed to twist my arm behind my back a little bit more. So, okay, okay, you want to play Henley Festival? You want to play Blood and Palace Summer Festival? Now, these things are outside spot music. They're kind of pop orchestra events. Beautiful summer evening. And there's an orchestra playing, you know, Elton John or ABBA or whatever. Yeah. It's classical music, but it's a big bad orchestra. And it's just a fun thing. So how about you take, you know, how about you play some action? Oh, well, songs are but they weren't the big ones. They were the ones that I were, which were the not big ones. And he said, play a message in a bottle, rock and whatever. Okay, then you can. So I was persuaded to do these police arrangements for special arrangements, which is actually what I'm doing this very day. To bring out those orchestral arrangements of the lobotomies that I did for the police track. Well, it's uh, tremendous stuff, a lot going into it, and hopefully we get to see this uh, live in Europe and then in America this fall, so we're going to be looking for that. So, Stuart, is it th- would this be a good time? It's been a year or so since we've seen uh, content from your Sacred Grove YouTube channel. Might we see something come of that? We it's It's been too long. Well, um, it's kind of tough to do with the True. Uh, I've got a couple of sessions in the can, but right now I'm busy doing these derangements. Sure. Um, taking these songs and taking Andy's guitar solos and figuring out how to do that on an oboe. Actually, I've got four brass, I've got four saxophones as well. Keep it raising, you know, that they have a lot more grizzle, a lot more aggression for this kind of music. You know, those three guys are kind of 
and Tugend are pretty much irreplaceable, but the closest I can get is three African-American ladies on the vocal and 50 orcs for Andy Summers. <laughs> Uh, um, I love it. Um, speaking of those three guys, um, I, I, I keep going back to this because I, I'm so enthralled by the business uh, that you guys did on the 0708 reunion tour. 3.7 million tickets, grossed $358 million, which I'm sure you're sitting on most of right now. At the third highest grossing tour of all time, Stuart. This is uh, insane. Kind of just take us back. Good memories, uh, fond memories. Uh, of 0708? Well, it was, big picture, a really great thing. Um, there was kind of, we, we, we broke up at a really good time, very abruptly, leaving kind of a felt like unfinished business. And when we did the reunion tour, it really took care of all that unfinished business. We really got a grip on what it was that we had done. And, um, you know, for some of us, we could regard the whole police experience as not so much of a stain on our history, that actually there was some good in it. When we walk out on stage, there's 80,000 people lit up by these old songs. Does that get your attention? It makes you feel that maybe playing this material isn't a terrible, reprehensible step backwards, but there's actually value to this validated by the people out there. And all the problems that we had had, which caused us to break up in the first place, the tensions we had, we were able to understand the true motivations, feelings, and causes of those tensions. And so we were able to deal with it. And fundamentally, we are not birds of a feather. When we were young, we were codependent, and we actually sparked each other into places that we never would have gone, you know, because it was out of our comfort zone. But now... We're all grown up and comfortable, and we have found our groove. Each of us has found what it is that we love to do, and it isn't necessarily taking instruction from a fucking bass player. <laughs> well, and by the way, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that instruction. In fact, that bass player, that <clears throat> fucking bass player in question, does actually know a thing or two about how to use the drum set. And uh, what made it more... In fact, the most unbearable feature of this instruction from the bass player was that most of it was pretty good instruction, which means that I have to kill the son of a bitch. <laughs> now, all the thing is, every day I would feel like that and try and, and listen to the guy who wrote these songs, has great ideas. I, I live to serve. I am nothing, I am no one. So, you know, I get on the drums. And it just, shit just happens. I forget. What do we decide about this? I forget. I'm playing. And it's sort of a force of nature. That's why, that's what I enjoy about playing drums. I forget. My brain isn't working. It's just my body is working. My brain is on fire with unintelligible, you know, uh, rage. In any arrangement conversation, there's a dim idea of how this song goes, but everything else is just coming up on admiration we realize we're not exactly a perfect fit 
trust. Our love is yours. That's absolutely, and it sounds like uh, two of the last three uh, relationships that, that I had personally, Stuart, and uh, that was my indoctrination to the police. Uh, I'm 35. I got to see uh, the police in 07 at the Sprint Center, brand new building in Kansas City, and it was uh, a tremendous indoctrination for me. But before we let you go here, we have a few uh, rapid-fire questions. This is, did you, there's a Stuart Copeland Facebook group, and it's bigger than the police Facebook group. Did you know this? I did not know that. There, it, well, because that's a living, breathing thing in the police, the dead issue. True. That's a good point. You know, it's a band. There are pictures of three blonde heads, but nothing new on there. Well, and where, you know, Andy and Sting, I'm sure their sites are probably bigger, too. Well, I'll tell you, um, so this is one of those cases where um, we got some really good, just a few quick rapid-fire questions for you as we, as we end here, but this is one of those deals where, you know, we, we put the blame on the, the person asking the question and not, not me, the conduit. Um, uh, <laughs> one question is, if there was a Spyro the Dragon movie, would you consider composing the music? Oh, I'm Spyro. Yeah. Um, I absolutely would kill to get that job. I would weep bitter tears if they called someone at I would be surprised if they did, because when they rebuilt the game, they rebuilt the music. Ridiculous. Sample, note for note. Um, Matthew Mamrick says, do you have a clip of the Wrigley's commercial that Tony Scott directed, or a clip uh, from Real Time with Bill Mayer where uh, he's just, he's schooling Jerry Falwell Jr.? No. Um, I don't think Wrigley Scott, the Wrigley commercial, the, the director is unknown, and I think, and, and it disappeared for the how to trace. I was never supposed to know. Uh, what was the second one? Um, or the uh, clip from Real Time with Bill uh, Mayer, where uh, he's schooling Jerry Falwell Jr. Schooling Jerry Falwell Jr. I didn't. This was one that I I didn't understand, so I thought maybe you would. So I, hey, send me that link. I know, I, that's what I, I was looking for it myself. I was like, there's got to be a link somewhere. So uh, that one we'll just uh, move on from because I, I didn't get that one either. Uh, Stephen Cowan says, any plans of unreleased police recordings or this, even more importantly, the excellent Around the World on Blu-ray coming out in the future? Yes, um, Andy's on that. Um, getting the police Around the World uh, released one way or another. I like this one. Davis Reed asks, with this being now your sixth decade in the music industry, uh, during that time, what is one venture or collaboration or even moment that you cherish above all the rest? Oh, that's very tough. There's so many. I love them all. Stanley Clark, Jeff Beck, Les Claypool, Gray Anastasio. Um, I guess Trey and Les. That is my favorite. Les Claypool and Trey Anastasio. I love it. Um, this one's kind of in the, I don't know, this one seems to be kind of in the vein of the Stuart Copeland kind of sense of humor. Um, it says, why during the pandemic have you, Sting and Andy, not put on a concert for the fans? He says, you could each play in your own houses and it would be just like the synchronicity sessions where you played in different rooms. Uh, good question. Um, I got a nice note from Stingo um, and Andy, and we are in touch with each other, just to make sure we're still here. Um I will not mention the location of the other two, um, but uh, yeah, we're in touch with each other, and um, it would require, for me, I'm fine. My, my studio is all hired, my drums, I'm looking at them right here. They're all uh, mic'd up, plugged in, I got a template, I open up that template on DC, I 
cameras around the room, you know, because of my frequent growth sessions. Um, I'm equipped. The other two guys will be the engineers. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, last one here. Mark Halar says, if Sting sent you a tape with some song ideas, would you collaborate? And if the answer is yes, how would you do it differently? Uh, uh, absolutely. do that because I am, to this day, susceptible to his music. I went and saw The Last Ship, which is the Broadway musical version of his tunes, and I loved it. Uh, it amazed me that every singer on the stage, male, female, soprano, baritone, they all sounded like Sting. I've never separated his voice out from his melody, but take his voice away and his tunes are still absolutely unmistakable. So I'd be there. How would we do it? Doing, uh, I like the part about him sending it in, in. I don't have to have him in the room when I ruin his track. <laughs> um. Oh, wow. Uh, Stuart, I tell you, it's it's just, uh, can't thank you enough for doing this with us. It's been a great distraction for our, for our listeners, and hopefully they'll enjoy it. And I'll tell you, sorry we had to battle some uh, some some audio issues here, but uh, we, we power through as we often do, as we do as an American race, and as we will forge into the future. Uh, maybe this is the new normal for us, but if so, we will overcome, will we not? Yes, I guess so. quite hear all that, but um, uh, I gather a positive <laughs> you gather correctly, my friend. Sorry about the audio issues. We'll have to catch up uh, sometime down the road. Good luck with everything, and we will talk soon, my friend. Thank you. All right, thanks a lot. Best wish to all your folks. Thank you. You as well. We were able to uh, muscle through it there. We had some audio issues, but able to get the interview in. And for you guys, I mean, I tell you what, that was such an honor for me. Such a big fan of the police. I was there on that uh, 07 um, reunion tour at the Sprint Center when it came. And just, uh, you know, for a lot of people my age and really anyone since 1983 not being able to see the band live, it was uh, definitely an exciting and, and really unforgettable experience to be able to be there and see the police live. Just uh, one of the great power trios in history. Uh, of course, we talked about Stewart's playing, and he talked about, you know, how he would be open to collaborating with Sting as long as he's not in the same room with him. Stewart tells it like it is. He's gonna, he's not gonna hold back, and he hasn't done it since the first day of the Police reunion tour when I think he got into some hot water with management by uh, making a comment to um, a member of the press, and it kind of got, uh, you know, put out of control. And back then, before the, I believe there was <laughs> no blabbermouth or anything like that, but. Um, that's Stuart. That's his personality. Great sense of humor. Great guy. Thanks so much uh, for joining us here. We got so much more coming up here on the Music Mania podcast. Lining up, uh, like I said, interviews with Eric Martin from Mr. Big coming up. Uh, Gus G, uh, who is Nazi Osborne's band. He's in the band Firewind. And we're also very excited to welcome back David Ellison from Megadeth. He has um, a Schools Out initiative that we're going to talk about, um, a new single that's uh, with the proceeds going to COVID 19 relief in uh, Italy. So that's all coming up. So many big things here on the Music Media Podcast. We thank you guys so much for staying with us. We hope that you're being safe and healthy out there. We're going to get through this together. We're off into the spring and summer months, and hopefully for so many of us, that means at least being able to get outside and enjoy the weather and enjoy your friends. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we're going to be enjoying some live music very soon. We all need it. This has been tough on everyone, the, the artists included. So we are working to get back to um, our old level of normalcy. So let's make that happen. 
Thanks so much for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify. Any way you choose to take in the show, we always appreciate it. The website, musicmaniapodcast.com. All the shows are archived there, as well as my uh, concert reviews. Back when there were concerts, I reviewed them, and they were on that website, musicmaniapodcast.com. Thanks so much. We will be back next week.